Welcome to the CDC Podcast, episode 46. With me this month is writer and YouTuber Hamish Black. Hey, how's it going, man? You started your channel writing on games almost two years ago exactly. I think we're doing this a week early. How did you get started in video-based video game criticism? So it's something I've, I've been wanting to do for a long time. You know, it'd been kind of years in the making, to be honest. And it was just a thing of, like, I watched a lot of video game coverage. I thought there was room for something a little bit more in-depth or, you know, taking from more theoretical frameworks or whatever. But it never came together. It was a thing of I'd start a million different things and never finish them. And then it got to a point where I'd been working some, you know, terrible retail job or whatever. And I suffer from really bad depression. I had a really bad depressive episode, lost my job. And then I found myself with a lot of time. And uh, basically I just said, okay, I can, I can go with doing nothing or I can try and just go with this thing that I've been planning so yeah I basically just thought okay I studied English literature at university there's a lot of stuff in there in terms of authorship over a text that I find really interesting to apply to video games so I did I just put together a quick thing about her story and Barthesian fractured narrative and stuff and put it out there and that just kind of made things a lot easier to get the next one done and you know it kind of just went from there you know (laughs) so yeah who or what influenced how you go about making the videos it's a lot of people really I mean it's I kind of really started getting interested in it when it was it was when Austin Walker joined Giant Bomb, who's now at Waypoint, and that was kind of when I started seeing like okay, there's a lot of people actually doing a lot of really good writing about video games. I wasn't necessarily seeing a lot of that on YouTube. Of uh, later, I would find that there are a lot of people doing very good writing on YouTube, but it was people like Austin. Then I found sites like you know vice gaming was doing some really good stuff kill screen as well yeah just kind of a, a lot more of the slightly more in-depth game coverage i was really into in terms of youtube as i kind of went along i discovered people like uh, mark brown at game makers toolkit super bunny hop as well um people like that kind of i discovered kind of as i went along and yeah they definitely had an influence on me i suppose Uh, Speaking of your first video, how you went for, like, a Barthian reading of her story. Yes. How long were you able to, like, continue along that sort of intellectualized version of game criticism or game writing in general? You see, it's interesting because I kind of constantly have these ideas of linking, linking games to very specific theorists and stuff. Like, I did a video linking Killer7 to Shklovsky, for example, you know, and the whole kind of artist technique thing. But it just, after a while, like, I grew more and more distant from my kind of academic career, as it were, and and I just started thinking, this is getting a little esoteric, you know, and, and I just started thinking, man, you know, it's one thing taking a game and applying a theory to it and just, you know, saying that's that's that, but it's another thing to kind of more deeply examine 
why that's important and why that factors into why we play games, you know. So I decided to, after a while, it, it kind of started around the start of 2016. I just decided to put out a video talking about my depression and how it related to my experiences with Dark Souls, for example. And that was a deeply personal video, and it turned out that that resonated with people a lot more than what I was previously doing. I felt more deeply attached to it. I felt like I'd gotten to some deeper truth about my experience with the game, and in that sense, it was a far more worthwhile endeavour for me to pursue, like, still keep the theoretical frameworks in mind as I analyse games, but kind of trying to express that in a much more, you know, approachable way, I suppose. Yeah, I'm actually kind of curious, because if you look at, like, the views on your videos, it's only a couple of thousand on all of them, and then you hit Dark Souls, and it jumps to 100,000. Yeah, yeah. And then it goes back to 10,000, 30,000, and then you do another <laughs> one on Dark Souls, it jumps to over 100,000. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think, like, every video that breaks 100,000 or more is a Dark Souls-related video. Is that uh, yeah? There's a few that aren't, but it's mainly like you you make a video on Dark Souls, you can get a lot of views on that. <laughs> yeah, it's wild, man. It's just it, it, like so. Basically, I made you know there were, I made a couple of videos on Dark Souls that had done okay, better than my other videos, and then I made one uh, analyzing uh, Blight Town, a specific area in Dark Souls, and that just kind of blew up for some reason. I don't know. And, like, I got a bunch of subscribers from it, but, like, I didn't want to just be that Dark Souls guy like you see so many other channels doing. Like, I kind of thought, you know, a lot of what has been, like, there's enough people out there saying Dark Souls is tough but fair, you know? So I was like, well, okay, maybe, I like, I basically wanted to make sure that people were coming to the channel for me and not just Dark Souls, you know? And... There were some videos that I put out there that kind of started to kind of approach that, like not not quite the you know the views that that Blight Town video got, but you know like reaching the about a thousand, hundred thousand views and stuff. And I was like, okay, this is this is people are coming for me rather than just a particular game, and that that was cool, I guess. But it's something that is is always kind of on my mind, I suppose, like. You know, the, the the amount of channels that you get where they'll, like, the lore analysis channels where they'll take, you know, one word in an item description and then say, you know, the dictionary definition of this word is this, and we can judge from that that this game means this, and it's, you know, that's completely pointless to me, and, you know, I didn't want to become one of those guys, so, yeah, <laughs> it's been kind of wild in that sense. But I guess I was wondering how you feel about, like, Dark Souls being... I guess the YouTube moneymaker when it comes to... <laughs> I mean, you know, it got, in a, in a large sense, it got me the audience I have now, so, I, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, better about it in any way. It's just, it's just more that, like, you know, people are still looking for videos on this game that has been released, that was released in, like, 2011, and it's like, you know, you can, like, people keep asking me, like, when are you going to go back to Dark Souls? When are you going... And I'm like, when, when I feel like it. I mean... Part of it is also, like, you make a video on Dark Souls and you immediately get a cavalcade of comments telling you how wrong you're playing the game, and that just doesn't appeal to me in the slightest. So, 
Yeah, it's, it's, it's just the way it is. It's basically Dark Souls and Minecraft are the two kind of like games that you, you know, people reliably get millions of views on or whatever. So that's just the way it is. And you just like basically I'm like, OK, I've got an, an audience base of subscribers now and like I can try and just make the stuff I like. And hopefully those people will respond positively to it if they don't. Cool. You know, I'm just doing what I what I like to do. You know. Yeah, having gone through several other channels as Dark Souls period, it comes to the point where you're wondering what else is there to say. What? Yeah. Else can you add that would justify yeah, it, another video? Exactly. I mean, it was that Blight Town video. It was like, okay, people really hate Blight Town as an area what can I find to like about it? And then when I examined that, there was actually quite a lot there in terms of the way that area handled uh, player reward, the way it kind of inverted things like verticality that had been instilled in the player and how that was linked to reward, how it reversed that and everything. So there was a lot of interesting stuff there for me that I hadn't really seen many other people talk about. But yeah, like after that, like I say, a lot of people said, you know, uh, oh, I really want, uh, it'd be cool if you did more Dark Souls stuff, and I'm like, well, go somewhere else if you want that, you know? Like, I, I will go back to Dark Souls when there is something to be said about Dark Souls, you know? Yeah, it's, it's weird, it kind of it weirdly fatigued me on that game because it kind of became like, you know, let's analyze Mario 1-1, you know? <laughs> it's like, yeah, we, we know that Mario 1-1 is good level design, we know that Dark Souls is tough but fair, you know? That's settled, you <laughs> know? Like, uh, we don't need a million videos doing that. Can you describe your process in making a video, like from conception through production? So it differs from video to video. I mean, now I just kind of, like, it's weird. I approach it from the perspective of, like, what questions am I asking as I'm playing a game? Like, what questions am I asking of the design, of the story, or anything like that? And once I, it's, it's all just about finding that one question. Like, I approach it from the the perspective of someone, I mean, I don't write it like an academic paper, but I, but I approach it from the perspective of, okay, I'm going to go narrow and deep here. Like, I'm just going to find one specific thing, like, you know, uh, context with Vanquish or whatever, or something like that. And I'm just going to, like, a answer a question that I'm asking of myself through that. And then... I think, okay, I have, with the way I enunciate in my videos and stuff, which is very deliberate given my my accent, um, like I say, okay, I, I have about 1,200 to 1,400 words in which to fit this in and say, okay, this will fit within like a 10-minute video or something. And yeah, so the, the script is definitely the longest part because there's some amount of like research that goes into that as well, and I write I write drafts and then I scrap them and then I come back and redo them and everything. So yeah, that's definitely the longest part. I do like kind of freelance audio work as well sometimes, and so I'm pretty well versed in like editing software and everything. So that part isn't actually that doesn't take that long. So yeah, it's it's really just the the writing part, coming up with the idea and getting that script done is definitely the longest part of the process, I suppose. And your production values on the videos are actually quite high. Mm -hmm. I noticed that you, you're you also creating music, so does that help in, like, keeping those production values high? Yeah, I mean, it, it was more just about 
creating something that was inherently mine. You know, it was like, I mean, the, the music thing, for example, started out with just like, I don't want to have to deal with copyright stuff on YouTube. So I was like, okay, if I just make a track every every episode, then that avoids that. In terms of production values, visually, I feel there's there's a line that can be crossed sometimes where, like, I definitely appreciate good visual, you know, a kind of sense of panache in visual editing, but sometimes I feel like it can kind of distract from what the person's actually trying to say. I mean, I think, like, Mark Brown really hits the kind of sweet spot with Game Maker's Toolkit. He, he His editing ability in that field is kind of unparalleled, I, I'd say. For me, it was just a case of, like, okay, I, I kind of just want the... Like I, I want the gameplay to illustrate the points that I'm making, and maybe I'll use text sometimes to kind of punctuate sections. But apart from that, like I mean, I can do more kind of visual flair type stuff. But it was more like, okay, this is a choice that I'm making where I'm kind of restraining myself in that regard and just trying to focus on creating the best script. Like at, at the start, anyway, people used to say to me like, why don't you just make a podcast? And I was like. I didn't feel right, but then again, right, the writing was always the main focus, and I wanted that to be the thing, you know. But yeah, it's definitely, it's all just about creating something that is mine, you know, like, that, that no one else could have, no one else could have made, I guess. But, uh, yeah. What kind of thing are you going for with your videos? Like, what are you aiming to express? Like, you brought up Game Maker's Toolkit several times, and, and that video series is very concretely aimed at like formal dissections of how they work and how they mm-hmm. and how they express themselves. What type of thing are you like going for your video? Because I I can't express it myself, but I notice something very different when I watch one of your videos as opposed to any other of a dozen channels. Yeah. So like. <laughs> I mean, in a, in a lot of ways, I am still trying to find that myself. The, the way I view it just now is that I am drawing upon my own personal experiences with games, my experiences with other art forms like music and just creation in general, and trying to, like my, my experience with theory in those areas as well, and trying to express a more personal experience with a game in order to come to a kind of greater universal truth, as kind of airy fairy as that sounds, it's it's just like I feel like it's it's about viewing games criticism not as a definitive conclusion, but as this kind of unfolding tapestry, <laughs> you know, where everyone's contributing and like it's it's not about saying this person's right or this person's wrong. Like sometimes the questions that I ask in my videos, I don't necessarily answer and that's a very deliberate thing it's because sometimes it's very hard to answer those questions but it all it all stems from okay this is the personal experience i have had with this game how can i express that in a way that will resonate with other people you know so it's not necessarily super formal in approaching you know this is the way game design works or this is the way narrative design works but it's approaching those subjects from more personal perspective and you know, kind of with the notion of like fallibility. I might be I may be wrong on this, but here's my perspective anyway. And you know, so it's, it, I guess you know you could describe it as like kind of weird op-ed type stuff. <laughs> um, like I, I, I don't know. For a while there last year, I was writing articles for people for different websites, and 
that kind of greatly influenced the direction I started to take with the channel because it was a lot more about, okay, how do I resonate with other people? How do I, you know, put this into a specific word count and, you know, still make it as descriptive as possible? It was a really interesting challenge that I just decided to take forward in everything I did, you know? So, yeah. And speaking of, like, how you've altered over time, it's like your first video was very rooted in academia philosophical idea yeah and then and then uh just a few weeks ago you published something that if you thought about it has that same academic tint to it but you present it in the context of just the games as someone you can understand outside of it like how context matters for a video game yeah yeah the idea of like when a, a piece of art is released that's a very esoteric idea but you break it down very yeah simply. for sure yeah i mean like you you could apply that to all kinds of theorists and stuff and but i was just more interested in presenting that uh, like because game preservation in, in in terms of that episode in particular game preservation is something that i'm incredibly passionate like i'm incredibly passionate about i'm learning more about all the time but we usually think of that from a very technological perspective like do we have the hardware do we have the software to play these games whereas like a a very kind of crucial part of what a text means is defined by the context under which you play and like that's something that you know without wishing to get into the legitimacy conversation it was like you know books and films have that but that's only because they have the privilege of being taught in, in in classes and stuff, we are taught about Shakespeare. We are taught about the context under which he he wrote his plays and everything. And uh, you know that's something that games don't necessarily have yet. And it's and it was just for a medium so young and progressing so quickly. It was like okay, something like Spec Ops: The Line, for example, a game which was viscerally in response to the period in which it released like take that forward five years and we're in a completely different time frame will people still get that same sense of meaning from it and those are kind of very high concepts or whatever but i was just like the way i approached that episode like i basically i wanted to talk about spec ops because it was five years on and everything but vanquish had just come out that was a much more i was able to present that as like hey here's a game that maybe isn't as maybe doesn't feel as revolutionary as it did back then you know maybe it didn't maybe it doesn't feel as as kind of fun for lack of a better term you know because of just the period in which it released and then you can start to talk about things like spec ops and the more the kind of deeper contextual meaning within like the more deliberate contextual meaning within things like spec ops so it's just about how you approach it in terms of like easing people into these subjects as opposed to the her story video that I did, which was very much like this, you know, ontological versus epistemological dominance and stuff, you know, and like from, from an academic point of view, I still quite like that, that piece that I did, but it's like, you know, people watching that, especially with my accent and how I hadn't quite learned to enunciate or level voiceover with music. It's, it's pretty hard to watch, but it's, uh, you know, and that was just something that going forward, I just wanted to kind of maybe ease people into the process of approaching these 
higher subjects a bit more easily, I guess. Maybe it's the fact that I've been doing this so long that the thing is I enjoy pretty much both both (laughs) videos equally. It's just I have to, like, step outside of myself to recognize, yes, they are for very different audiences. Yeah, for sure, yeah. And like I say, you know, I'm still kind of finding my critical voice in a lot of ways but that's that's what's exciting about it to me you know it's like the the channel is uh, you know i talk about games but in a lot of ways i'm basically kind of just like laying myself out there you know and it's the the kind of bare experience of what the the experience that i had with a video game and that's very personal in a lot of ways but you know i think that if this resonates with me then it should perhaps resonate with other people on some level. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, and like I say, like I said at the beginning, there are there are certain things that I want to approach from a more directly theoretical perspective. But you know, it's just about finding that balance. And as I've gone on, it's just been about balance. You know, like I, I want to include some of that more theoretical stuff, but you know, do it in a doing it in an approachable way. It's interesting that you you say that you're still trying to find your voice. We've been doing this series in essentially chronological order from the start date of a person's channel. Yeah. And they started creating videos. And now that we're, like, getting within literally a two-year starting date, well, there isn't as much of a backlog. There isn't as much of the evolution going on. There's less stuff for the person to consider for these interviews. Mm-hmm. So... Seeing that evolution, it feels like that these interviews are somewhat different than the ones I've done earlier, where right. they had a backlog, where they had almost an established style, even if they were still trying to play with it. It was in much in the minutia. You, yeah. you're trying to you say you're trying to like alter large swaths of what you're doing, trying to figure out, settle yourself in, and figure out what works. Yeah, I mean, like, for example, like, I was just at E3, which is weird, <laughs> like, you know, for a, for a channel like mine to to go there and actually see that for myself, and I'm, like, I, it, that is involving me trying out some new things, like, I, I'm writing, I'm currently working on an episode about the context of E3 in probably what could be considered its most transitional year to date, you know, um, with the public getting let in and everything. And it's an episode in which I barely talk about games, you know, and I I don't know how people are going to react to that or whatever, and I kind of don't care. But, you know, it's it's just, I I don't know, I I come from a background of, you know, DIY punk music and stuff, and that is you know, a lot of, like, let's just get this done now, we'll do it ourselves, we'll, if, if it means we need to change up our, our approach, we'll do it, and, you know, if, if something becomes stale quickly, you just throw it away and just do something new, like, and that's kind of the approach I take to everything I do, and it's, like, I, I, I don't know, I never want, I never want things to become stale, so I'm, like, especially recently, I've just been thinking, okay, I've got this audience base now, how can I experiment with the form and, like, try and just, like, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a process that has been going on since the start of the channel, but more intensely in, in recent, you know, in, in recent months or whatever. Let's pick up that thread about E3 and expand it a bit. You have several videos that are not about video games, but, like, the stuff that orbits around the games. You have, like, the Steam... Yeah game reviews, E3, E-conferences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's 
like context is very important to me. Like I say, a lot of the meaning we generate from any kind of art we experience comes from the context. And, you know, I, 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 I just feel that like with things like steam, it's, that was more kind of approaching the way we view, you know, games as, as a product, as a, as a consumable, you know, and like that, that kind of spoke very directly to, to the approach that you see many critics taking where it's like, okay, games are $60 and therefore you deserve this much value from it. And value is a highly, you know, calculable thing and everything. And that's, so so yeah, like I I definitely want to kind of speak to the the larger culture when I can, rather than just like speaking to you know a specific day. Like I, I I don't know. Some like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But I just I I don't know. I like ex- I like exploring all aspects of how and why we play. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you feel video adds to the criticism, both of games and of orbital material? So it's it's interesting because it was it was weird making some of those videos, like making that video on Steam, felt a little weird because I was like, I'm just kind of using footage here from from bad greenlight games, and they're not really illustrating anything. It's just kind of I'm 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 writing this thing and because it's going on YouTube I need a visual component to it. So it's like there are there are definitely times where it's like, okay, this is like maybe this doesn't need to be a video and but I still like it and I still want people to see it, so I put it there. But um that's that's rare. Like usually I just think that I mean, if we're if we're getting really cynical about it, like originally it was like, okay, YouTube is the best way to build an audience is very easy to measure growth on YouTube as opposed to it's very easy to get that stuff out there as opposed to something like a blog or something like that. Um, <coughs> but, you know, it eventually just became like, okay, when, when I started capturing my own footage as opposed to just using trailers, it was much more like, okay, I can actually illustrate the points I'm making in a very controlled way because I can go and capture very specific footage and animate my character in a very specific way that does what I want it to. You know, that, that's, I, I was talking to one of my friends who was doing a, who was doing a video essay on, on a movie from, for, for university. And he was talking about how, how much more difficult it is doing video essays for movies because all the editing decisions are already made. You know, it's like you can't alter the camera. You can't alter the characters. Like you just have to kind of work with what you've got in order to illustrate your points. So. I kind of feel like with games, I have the opportunity, so I might as well use it. How has uh, creating videos like changed play habits between new and old games? Because you pretty much follow the release schedule for many new games, and then you toss in something like a pseudo-retrospective on PT or a look at Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 not really like super deliberate in terms of like following release schedules it's just i i like to keep up on new games and i and i figure that people are going to be looking for that kind of stuff i guess so i so like i just figure that those those interests kind of meet in a convenient way so but you know there's like it's it's definitely now there's kind of getting to be a kind of lull in the release schedule and i'm like okay there's a lot there's a lot of old games i want to talk about and so you know i i I get 
some, sometimes I get like you know accusations of like oh it's just chasing things for clickbait or whatever, and I'm like no, it's just I'm genuinely interested in what's coming out and stuff. Like I still pay for the vast vast majority of, of the games I talk about and everything, and yeah, it, it's it's not super like thought out in terms of okay what's coming out what am I going to cover it just so happens that that's usually what I'm playing because like we talked about you know the evolving context of games is something that I'm really interested in and in order to keep up with that context I kind of have to play what's new and like that's that just happens to be very interesting to me so yeah it's it's certainly not any kind of super deliberate thing it's just I talk about what I feel like talking about (laughs) pretty much how much consideration do you give a title before you have something to say about it that would constitute a full video? How much depth or detail do you dive into or think about while playing? I mean, it's it's more just that I constantly think about all media I consume in a in a at least somewhat in depth way as I'm consuming it, you know. I mean, like I've covered elements of games that I've liked before I finished them and stuff, you know, and that has led to some consternation, I guess. But it's like, hey, this is what I'm experiencing and I want to talk about it. So, uh, you know, like usually if I'm reviewing a game, which I kind of don't do that often on the channel, then I will obviously finish it and, you know, talk about it as a complete product. But, you know, usually I just, for example, Final Fantasy XV, I put out a video on that last year and how the moments of relative silence in that game gave good contrast to the bombastic moments of battle and it kind of made it feel more human and that was something that I'd gotten I'd gotten like 12 hours into that game and was thinking man this really reminds me of like being on tour and kind of you know sitting in a van not saying anything to anyone and that's like really deeply personal to me and stuff and like that was something that I desperately wanted to talk about so I did that you know um, so it varies from game to game, basically. It's, it's, it really is that simple. It's if I find something that I can talk about and I can, you know, substantiate and back up with evidence, then sure, I'll I'll talk about it, whether it takes completing the game or not. You know. Is there anything about the process you feel I haven't covered? Is there anything you've learned that we haven't gone into yet? Um, I mean, it, I, I I don't know. I mean, like. I guess what I've been thinking about lately in terms of the process is like I I tend to like reflect a lot on what I on what I do and stuff and you know what I realized recently was that like okay I'm kind of covering I'm doing like two videos a month which is a lot for like you know when you consider most video game critics on YouTube like they tend to maybe do like one a month or whatever unless it's like a full time gig for them and it was like and I started kind of thinking that okay, this is kind of relating to the music that I create for the episodes, which is like, okay, I am, I am, I'm forcing myself, it forces me to be creative, like creating that much stuff. I'm just like, I create a lot of music and that just carries over into my videos. And that was just a thing where like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to create this stuff and like far from turning in, turning what I love into some kind of routine like I say, it forced me to be more creative, so it actually like forced me out of creative ruts that I may may have been in, and kind of encouraged me to try new things. So I guess it's like, you know, a lot of people say that you know, if if you're not if you're not feeling something, 
just kind of leave it for a bit and come back to it. Whereas I'm just more like, no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna hammer this out and I'm gonna try some new things if it's not working, and I'm gonna get it done. And it's you know, so I guess like that kind of it's, it's, it all just plays back into you know, I do it yourself and you know make make it work regardless and you know through through that kind of struggle you will come out with something that may be different to what you originally envisioned but will probably be you know will probably have some kind of truth to it that will be worth exploring so you brought up pop punk several times as the do it yourself aesthetic and but you your work seems a lot more polished than punk would imply yeah i mean it's weird like i it, it I don't really know how to describe it. It's it, like I appreciate chaos. Like my my second video, I think, was about music games and how the 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 joy of making mistakes in music and the creativity that can come from that, like, is is not explored through the gamification of music and attaching a score to it. And it kind that that was kind of like it was viewing mistakes not as like not in the final product, but kind of happy accidents that occurred in the creation process. Like if I'm writing a script and something kind of comes up that I hadn't thought about before or some, like I've had it where effects will go wrong in a video before and I've thought that actually looks really good and I'll go with that. Uh, it, it, you know, it all kind of plays back into that thing of like, you know, I'm, I'm the way I like to describe it is that I'm a perfectionist about chaos. <laughs> it's, uh, like I, I, I like to, in terms of Sonics, I Sonics being the sound, not the game. Um, I like to, you know, I, I, I like things to be harsh and abrasive because that's what gets people thinking more. So in my videos, often it'll be like, okay, I will ease people in with a slightly more approachable topic before getting into something far more in depth. And like you know, people might not expect that, but because they didn't expect it, it kind of takes them from left field, and they're forced to kind of engage with it. I guess. So I guess like the 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 punk thing that doesn't necessarily come into it in in the final product, like in terms of polish or whatever. It's more just in the way I approach confrontation. <laughs> I believe that all all good art is confrontational on some level, and I, I like to think that. At the very least, I'm confronting people with ideas about video games that they might not have considered otherwise. So that's kind of how it links in, I suppose. <laughs> when I used to do interviews on uh, books, I always got to talk about the covers that they made yeah. for them. And uh, in this case, I guess you could call the thumbnails the covers of the videos. Yeah, yeah. And you go for a very large font to make sure it's yep. readable by the person at the back. Yep, that's, that's partially because... The font I use for like the channel titles and stuff, it's it's kind of it works for the channel title. It's very kind of like blocky and but I used to use that for thumbnails and people were like, I can't read what that says. <laughs> I was like, okay, well I guess I'll go in the completely opposite direction. So it's you know it's it's definitely very high contrast images of video games and then just like okay, this is what this video is, just in big aerial block capitals you know and it you know it seems seems to do the job you know it, it, get, it gives everything a nice kind of uniformity that i like but you know it's also just like hey dingus this is this is what this video is <laughs> come see it if you want i guess <laughs> like so yeah it's, it's 
I kind of like the effect. It's just that most channels don't go bother to go that far. It's usually just whatever YouTube randomly happens to catch as the frame. Yeah. Go off. And like, I, I do think you have to put some level of thought into that stuff. Like, I found that the, the format of my titles and stuff, like why such and such is important or why such and such does this, like framing it as a question got people interested and got people to click on it, you know, and that, and it's the same with the thumbnails. It's like, I just kind of think, okay, if I just put what this, what, what I'm asking in the video, in the thumbnail, then, you know, I, I can't be accused of misleading people to, to click, you know, it's uh, like, that's just what this is, you know? So it's, it's definitely, there's some kind of deliberate thought that goes into that. Yeah, for sure. But it's just, you know, I feel like you, you have to, if you don't, then, you're you're at the whims of of an algorithm that absolutely doesn't care for the, for the types of for the types of content that people like me create. So you know, I'm just I'm just working with what we've got. You know, you only don't do videos anymore. You uh, started a podcast at some point. What of your other game centric works? What are my other game centric works? Well, you are on a podcast, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, it was basically I, I hit a Patreon goal, and it was. My friend and I, who talk a lot about video games, we just thought, why don't we like? So, so the channel is, for the most part, very formal, you know, and it's it's very much like, okay, I'm conveying this idea to to people or whatever, and I'm trying to do that in the the most effective and streamlined way I possibly can, and they're usually fairly high minded ideas and stuff. Like this was this, the podcast was just a means to, uh, uh, by which. My friend and I could perhaps approach those same kind of things, but in a much less formal way. Like most of those, most of the podcasts are just my friend and I laughing hysterically at how daft the video game industry is. Like beautifully daft, you know. Um, we appreciate it, but you know, it, 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 that that's much more influenced by things like the Giant Bombcast and stuff. You know, we, we it's, it's really just my my friend and I just kind of talking about games for a few hours a week, and that. Like with everything I do, like I'm very kind of selfish, I guess, where it's like I do things for me and for me alone. And if it's fun for me, then I think, well, I have tastes, so I guess it's, people with taste will resonate with this. I don't know. Um, it's it's d delusionally self-confident. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I just it makes for a nice break from the hyper formality of creating you know, uh, video game analysis for YouTube. You know? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's again, it's about finding that balance, and you know, it, the, the podcast helps me helps me find that. I'm out of questions, so that sure. just leaves the final one. What is your favorite video game of all time? Oh boy, um, it varies. <laughs> it's, uh, like it, depending on what mood I'm in, it is either. It's either Dark Souls because of the effect that game had on me at the time. It's either Metal Gear Solid 2 because that's objectively the best Metal Gear Solid game, in my opinion. Well, no, I said objectively. It's objectively the best Metal Gear Solid game. Uh, or it's Killer7 just because there was no other game like it. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my answer. Three games. Three games are my absolute <laughs> favorite of all time. All right. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot quicker than most people. <laughs> I've given a lot of thought to it. <laughs> okay. Well, tell the people where they can find your work and where they can support you. 
Yeah, so if you go on to youtube.com slash writing on games, you can find a bunch of video essays that I do. You can support that on patreon.com slash writing on games. You can find the podcast. It's just imaginatively titled the Writing on Games cast on iTunes or wherever you get podcasts. And I guess you can follow me on Twitter at HambleBlack if you feel like reading inane tweets. So... And if you enjoy this podcast and all our other work at Critical Distance, you can support us at Patreon at patreon.com slash critdistance. And we love all our Patreons, and we are very grateful for all that you've been able to help and support us. In particular, we like to thank those who pledge $20 more a month, including Axcan D, Asmund A, Brendan V, David K, Joe O, Nathan G, Ted D, and Thane A. Sorry I can't say your full name, but this is what we promised. They're all great And <laughs> Yes, they are. And if you enjoy this podcast, please consider rating us on iTunes. Every little bit helps getting the word out there about our existence. Thanks again, Hamish, for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me, man. It's been great. It's been a blast. <laughs>